may have come across our podcast series, The Come Over, on the Combination website, on the Listen page. If so, you'll know that I have interviewed Stephen Baker and then Tanya Jones for the first two episodes. Many thanks to them. And I had been planning to interview a couple of people about the cooperative movement in Northern Ireland in the next couple of episodes. But since then, the global pandemic of this novel coronavirus has intervened. There aren't going to be any face-to-face interviews for some time. Indeed, I'm actually, uh, along with many other people, or in the same position as many other people, in having to work from home at the moment. But this evening, after a day of being confined to quarters... I'm out in the woods, walking the dog on my own. The sun's just going down, or just gone down actually over the horizon. The light is beginning to thicken. But it's not too dark yet, you can still make your way. And indeed, you can still see some of the... Here's a a cluster of primroses, I'm just coming up with this beautiful pale yellow, almost glowing in the semi-darkness on their bed of soft dark green leaves. Primrose, Primarosa. They're so-called because they are traditionally taken to be one of the first flowers, if not the first flower, to come up in the the springtime. So there's a little cluster of them here in front of me. These are not, this is maybe the evening, but these are not evening primroses. That's, I believe, a different species, though I'm no botanist. But that brings me to where I want to go with this episode, which will be the first of a little series of the comb over confined to quarters, and by that I, I also mean I think we're going to aim for a quarter of an hour each to keep them nice and short and sweet. So, no interviews, just me rambling in the woods and rambling about some ideas, which brings me back to the flowers here and the fact that I'm not a botanist. I'm not a botanist, but many years ago I did study a little bit of philosophy, and probably my favourite school of philosophy in those days would have been phenomenology. And there was one of the phenomenologists who said that the flowers of the hedgerow are not the same as the botanist's specimens. And what he meant by that was that we encounter, it may be in a sense, in a sort of a scientific sense, you could say that these are the same flowers, but we encounter them, we engage with them very differently in those different settings here out in the woods with Salva the dog in the semi-darkness with I think what sounds like a helicopter overhead which is taking me back to my childhood in Belfast um, at the moment, but (laughs) that's another story but the the botanist specimens are not the same as the flowers of the field or the flowers of the hedgerow the idea being that you these things unfold themselves to us in, in a different way they may technically be the same species but we encounter them very differently and experience them very differently and in that sense they reveal as some of the phenomenologists would say a different aspect of their being towards us and this all may sound very abstruse and uh, pro- 
probably not terribly relevant to the sort of politics that we usually talk about on the combination, but in a sense this is I think my chance to outline the sort of fundamental philosophy that drives or guides much of my thinking about politics. I can't speak for Tanya or Stephen, but certainly this is what what guides me. There's a sort of a a quartet, it's back to quarters again, a quartet of values that shape my outlook on politics and, and life in general. The four values being non-violence, equality, democracy and sustainability. Now I suppose you could say that the my little rambling about the flowers immediately you're 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 getting into the territory of sustainability. But I suppose one of the things I want to try and argue in this little mini series is that all these four values are intimately intertwined, inseparable, indispensable to each other, if you like. And I hope that'll come across by the end of the this little quartet of programs. These four quarters. So in this first one to go back to the, the flowers, the idea of sustainability. I'm walking in a in the woods in North Town in Gladiboy Woods as it happens. But if you were to go for a walk in the forests of Finland, you might just come across, in the midst of one of them, a forestry museum. I have to look up the name of the place, I can't remember the name of the place, but there's a forestry museum. It's in the middle of the forest, naturally. And you walk in, you are in the first room, you come across old tools from decades, indeed centuries ago. The axes, the saws, the adzes, and other tools that were used by the woodsmen as they went about their business. And indeed, they went about that business in that same way right up until the early to mid part of the 20th century. You can see footage in the museum in the first room of the woodsmen as they go out stepping knee-deep into the snow and having to fight their way through it bearing hand axes with which two of them will set about the bowl of a tree bring it down then use the other toes, the adz, to strip off the bark on the side branches a big bow saw, two of them together, working to cross-cut it then they'll use a great grappling hook and a uh, set of chains to haul it and raise it onto the, the back of a flatbed truck which a horse will then trudge away taking it through the snow and they take these logs away these well worked logs down to the river they bind them together into great rafts and they float them off and allow the river to take them down to the next stage of their journey and there's something about that idea of allowing the river to sweep the, the logs down which I think is very significant you're working with 
nature. You're working with the forces that are there. And I used to be a bit of a woodsman myself. Back in the days before I studied that bit of philosophy, I was also worked in uh, woodworking factories in a guitar factory, as a matter of fact. And I always remember my the old, well, he wasn't that old, but older than me, my Japanese master, as I always call him, Mitsuhiro Uchida, who was a, a great luthier and craftsman. And I was struggling with a piece of wood one day. I just couldn't get it to do what I wanted to. And he said to me, find out what the wood wants to do and work with that. And I always thought thereafter, I've never forgotten it, it seemed to me wise advice not just for that particular situation but in general to think about how we go about in our relationship with, with nature. So to go back to the Finnish forest, you see those hand tools, you can almost reach out and pick them up, obviously you're not supposed to do that, but if you did you would feel the heft and the spring and the, the thickness of the wooden haft and the weight of the head of the axes and the sharpness of the blades. You could almost imagine going out, trudging through that deep snow and wielding them to bring down a tree and feeling the spring and vibration as the, the wood, as the, the axe thudded into the bowl of the tree. There was, there's a sense of bodily contact and uh, there's a laborious, a laboriousness about that way of being with those trees. Those trees are not just so many metric tons of timber waiting to be stripped and spliced and sold. It's a living being and nobody would have had more respect for that than those woodsmen with their axes. They're carefully tended axes by the way they would have taken great pride in keeping their axes well. That's how they lived. You go into the next room in the Forestry Museum and there's a great tower of chainsaws, ever bigger and more powerful chainsaws that are all bound together into this tower in display in the middle of the Forestry Museum. You move on to the next room, a huge warehouse of a room and there are a range of mechanical uh, tree felling machines each bigger than the last, each more sophisticated. By this time the woodsman, if you can even still call whoever works one of these machines a, a woodsman, has to sit in a, a cabin protected from the woodland around him, somewhat remote from the trees and uses a joystick you know, with a flick of the thumb and finger the machine reaches out, grabs the tree, cross-cuts it, flips it on side, strips the bark, strips the side branches, cross-cuts it to size, and stacks it on top of the truck. All with little more than the flexing of an index finger and a thumb from a remove. There is something about the distance that opens up that I think changes one's relationship with the trees, with nature, and there's something about 
the ease with which this can be done and the mechanical power of these machines that changes the way of being with the woods in the sense that in the old days there was a sort of a natural sustainability if you like a natural conservation built in because it took a lot of effort and it took time and it took labor to bring down one of those trees by hand to prepare to take it away by hand and by horse that's gone these machines could rip straight through great swathes of forest one man in a remote cabin with a joystick could do more damage I was going to say to the trees than two men with their hand tools or a whole squadron of men with their, their hand tools so if that natural sustainability has gone then you have to start looking for ways to build it back in so that the conservation and the sustainability element becomes external to the activities of labouring with the wood and of course this applies to all other elements of the uh, our working lives and our working world in terms of our relations with nature and there's that sense of distanciation and the reduction of the objects in front of us to so many specimens to so many cubic meters of timber or uh, dollars worth of raw material we're remote from it and there's a sense in which I think we have to start learning to build some of that respect back in some of that hands-on bodily being with the natural world that that we've lost so in that sense we need to think about sustainability slightly differently and that brings me to the link between the value of sustainability with one of my other quartet of values non-violence it's about living non-violently with the living planet so that idea of non-violence I'm going to take up in the next installment of the the comb over confined to quarters <laughs>